1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. All right, we're going to get started. Everyone, welcome. We've got Monotone's audience. We've got my audience. This is going to be a lot of fun. I don't anticipate this being the longest show ever. So we know that there's there's other sports to watch. Say it's a Saturday. You can be doing a lot of stuff with your time. We're just ultimately going to drop three of our favorite underdog fantasy over underlines this week, and it's the best platform out there for any type of uh, fantasy football. Whether you're doing best ball during the summer, whether you're doing these over under pick 'em lines throughout the week, promo code underworld. And if you're a new user to Underdog Fantasy, you get up to a hundred dollar deposit match when you do that. So please do that. You'll thank yourself later. Uh, my, my, girlfriend's now, uh, she's an underdog fantasy user. She has her own account. She really enjoys it. She got the deposit match. So I know you can too. <laughs> so what, what we're going to do is we'll go through, uh, our three lines and we'll discuss the, not just, uh, Oh, you should take over this or under this, but we're going to discuss the process behind it because that's so important. And I know that a lot of people out there always asking me, they'll say, okay, you said, uh, you liked this under, but did you know this? Did you know this? Why'd you take this? And when I do my, my 60 second videos each week with my three favorite over underlines, I don't have time in 60 seconds for three lines to to kind of walk down the, the totem pole of there's this and there's this and there's this and here's uh, any type of layer or nuance to my takes. So I think you you're really going to enjoy that. You're in for a treat. So today's special guest, it is monotone football. He's a contributor at Vegas Insider, Bet Karma, and the Game Day NFL. This is a busy man. And he's as transparent as they come on Twitter with his picks, which I think is really important. So I know he's sharp, and you can know he's sharp too by following him. You follow him on Twitter at Monotone Football. One L in football. So Monotone Foot Bow. <laughs> you know,
0: I told you this before the show. The character limit has. Hurt me over these last couple of years. I get this question often, but I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you letting me on your
1: show. Nice. This is, this is going to be a good one. Wait, what's planned for the rest of your Saturday after this?
0: Uh, I got some some content I got to make for for this weekend. Still got some lines got to look at for football, but probably going to sit back and watch the Georgia-Alabama game like a lot of other people. It's a pretty fun one. So, yeah, nothing too crazy. Pretty chill Saturday for me.
1: Nice. Yeah. My Saturdays, uh, probably most people, they sound terrible. I like my Saturdays. I do a lot of dog walking. I'll do a workout and I put a lot of time into my DFS lineups, do a lot of research, really trying to figure out exactly my, my stacks to target exactly what my quarterback pool is and how many of each quarterback I want. I do DFS on four different platforms. It's a very busy Saturday, but I enjoy it. So uh, just throughout the week, what does your typical day look like? Are you full time in this industry right now, with your three sites that you contribute to? How many hours a day or a week are you actually line shopping when you're when you're looking at all these props?
0: You know something i'm embarrassed to show people sometimes is my um my phone you know how apple can track how much you're on your phone you know you can opt into it it shows you your screen time every week oh i
1: just i just swipe up those notifications come in i don't even want to know yeah
0: i you know i don't i don't like to show people that kind of stuff because i truly am like i mean the the amount of times that i searched in one of my multiple like line shopping tools elijah mitchell this week in an attempt to snipe an early line, you guys would, you guys are probably giving up already. You know, it's tough. It's a lot of time spent, but it's, it's obviously worth it. I mean, uh, my Twitter bio is a little bit out of date. I'm up to five websites right now oh, contributing. Hit those,
1: so, what are those other two? Let's see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dimers and Odds Checker US are the other two. Um, so that's my bad. It's not my Twitter bio, but. Um, I scaled back a little bit. I took a break a couple weeks ago um, for some personal stuff. So my article rate isn't quite as high right now. I've probably only written a couple since coming back. But on a regular busy week, it's a lot of stuff, but it's worth it. You know, like I said, I am doing this. um, I mean, pretty close to full time hours. I told you before, I'm a college student. So that's obviously takes up the other part of my day. But Pretty much every moment I'm not in class or doing stuff like that, it's really all about NBA, NFL, college football, all of those three. It's, it's very time-consuming, mm-hmm. but it's a blast.
1: Nice. You're also you're a D.C. sports fan. Let's talk about yeah. the Washington football team for a second. I don't know if this is hard to talk about, easy to talk about. <laughs> it's What's going on with their direction as a franchise? Uh, who, who do you want to see under center in 2022? I'm assuming... You're not one of these Taylor Heineke zealots, but correct me if I'm wrong. What What are your thoughts um, on that?
0: You know, it's it's tough because we're in a bit of a uh, we're in a we're, like if you caught me a couple weeks ago, I would have been real unhappy. You know, we've won a couple games. I'm I'm in higher spirits now. I'm not quite a Heineke you know lover, stan, anything like that. I I'm a fan. I do enjoy like the the emotion he plays with. It does. I do connect with that. I enjoy seeing the passion he plays with. But just in terms of winning football games, I have no clue what we're doing this offseason. I think it really depends on if we actually make a playoff push or not. Um, it depends on how what the QB market is looking like, because I'm really not liking a lot of the rookies we're seeing in next year's quarterback draft. I think mm-hmm. most people are. The consensus is that this is a very disappointing or underwhelming quarterback draft. Um, you know, seeing guys like Chase Young get injured is also frustrating because he was having a bit of a sophomore slump. I, he wasn't playing poorly or anything like that. His run blocking was still very good, but in terms of getting to the passer, it wasn't quite what we were hoping for. I was hoping he could maybe work through a little bit more of that in the second half of the season. So I, I'm I'm a little bit worried we're getting trapped in a in a circle of mediocrity if we just kind of keep going with Heineke and you know a good defense. But I'm rooting for the playoff push this year. You know if we if we win if we beat the Raiders, you know the line opened at three. It's one now. It's pretty much a pick 'em it's clear that there's some steam on, on the football team and hopefully we keep it going. You know, I'm enjoying watching the wins for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting because I originally came from a, a baseball analytics background and I feel like baseball at this point, the teams are fairly progressive in understanding that the way to get better is to rebuild and that yeah. it's it's you're really threading the needle if you don't bottom out at all and you don't get those higher picks and that you don't kind of gut your roster of a lot of those expensive veterans who are going to be so much more valuable to a contending team as opposed to a rebuilding team. So I feel like Washington's a little bit in that purgatory. So we'll see what happens, but I feel like that's the kind of thing that's like, it's plaguing the bears right now. Like they're just, I don't know when they're going to bottom out maybe next year, but I feel like there's some teams out there and it seems like they just cling to six to eight wins a season. I think the Raiders are kind of in that boat as well where, I mean, they're, they're fine this year, but do they look like a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Absolutely not. And I feel like if you're if you're not truly contending for a Super Bowl or feel like you're about to and you're on the precipice, what are you doing? Rebuild, yeah. tear it down. And I feel like the fans ultimately they they might be frustrated in the frustrated in the moment, but I I don't think there's any easier way to get fans to buy back in to a team than to have it be good and to make the playoffs
0: exactly and that starts with one of those young first round picks that you can really kind of build around you know one of those top five picks that you can make your franchise player you know i mean we've seen it happen time and time again the dolphins are looking like they're going in the right direction and that was a very quick turnaround too right i mean the dolphins tanked like what like two years ago you know mm-hmm. uh, we saw the browns do it recently even the bengals with a guy like joe burrow now lots of teams are really kind of showing us that that is the right way to go but. I'm not, I'm not convinced Washington's going to do that, but we'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens. Maybe we get Aaron Rodgers What about that. Russell Wilson, maybe maybe that's in the cards right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a it's a decently attractive offense for them to come into. McLaurin, Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel, Gibson. There there's definitely some pieces there.
0: I They re sign Sheriff too <laughs> on the O-line. It's a great piece.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll see. So right before we dive in, also I'll acknowledge that if you're listening at incredibly loud volume, you might've heard some sirens. I feel like I've mentioned this every few streams. I live not just near a fire station, but it's apparently just like not the, apparently don't live in the, the safest area within uh <sighs> gorgeous sunny San Diego. So there's a helicopter flying around. There's just been a lot of people on the run recently. I don't know what's going on. My my crime app is letting me know something's happening. So if you hear any sirens in the background, I'm okay. Uh, I think the criminals out there know never to jeopardize the stream. It's kind of an unwritten rule. Yeah. So
0: You, you can go make sure your door's locked again if you want oh, to. Oh, it place. is. <laughs>
1: there you go. My, I'm, my, my dog would be, we'd be barking if, if there was a, truly an intruder. So.
0: <laughs> That's a good point.
1: All right. Right before we dive into our three lines. Give us one quirky fact about yourself that you've never revealed on like one of these live streams that your your Discord folks out there don't know. Let's do a big let's do a big gossip reveal, and then we're gonna dive into some actual hardcore stats and numbers and lines to hopefully make you some money.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't have the most interesting fact in the world, but something that I've really never told anyone on here. Uh, you know, my name is Monotone Football. I cover the NFL, the NBA, oh, my fingers are here, the NFL, the NBA, and college football. My most watched sport ever is the MLB, and it's by like 10. I've watched more baseball in my life, played more baseball, watched more baseball than any other sport combined. And I've told like one personal friend that I know from this, that, you know, and he was like, you're kidding me, right? Like I, I bet baseball every day. You never talk to, you know, I don't know. I, I don't have the the most interesting life going on here, but um, most people are very shocked when I tell them that. So I figure I'll let you guys know here now.
1: So why, why don't you bit on baseball? You don't want to, you don't want to ruin the, your, your precious, your precious baby. <laughs> I mean, it. honestly, it's kind of part
0: of it. Like that's kind of part of it. And the other reason it just kind of conflicts with, um, with, you can't really do baseball casually. If you're going to be in, you kind of got to be in. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really have time. Like with the, it kind of interferes with both the NFL and NBA. There is a little bit of a sweet spot near the end of the year. But that, and I just like watching baseball without having to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to strike out, who, who's going to win the game. I don't know.
1: Cool. All right, you're prepping for this show. You open up the underdog fantasy platform, or just any when you're opening up any of these new platforms. What are your What's your first instinct? Are you so when you're prepping for the show today? Do you just casually scroll through, literally every single over underline super quickly and like jot down your potential favorites? Are are you initially, because you're line shopping throughout the week, are there two, three, five players where you go, oh, I I know I like their line on this platform. So let me immediately just search these guys because I believe I'll be higher or lower than the market. What's kind of your first step when you're prepping for a show like this?
0: yeah so it's kind of what you said there but um it's more i do my own lines for the numbers that i'm interested in so rather than waiting for whatever website drops the first line i'll jot down players that one i'm interested in and then two i, I know i want to bet on either over or under and i'll make sure to write those down at about what number i would bet it on um and what number i bet it up to what number i bet it down to um so i kind of want to be organized so i have a list of things I'm already looking at, already waiting for. And then once the numbers are out, I've already done my work. I can find the ones that stick out to me and I can instantly get those out to people as soon as possible because they do sharpen very fast.
1: Yes, they do. Uh, One one of the lines I'm going to talk about has actually been bouncing all over the place. So the way that we're going to structure this, we're going to alternate going through three lines. Go monotone, Josh, monotone, Josh, monotone, Josh. And we're going to get to progressively better lines that we're more confident about. So we'll start with. It's not that we're unconfident in the lines we're taking, but our final line is going to be the one that we are like, this is the one that we're betting the farm on. Uh, I've I put I put my dog up for adoption if this yeah. line doesn't hit. It's the, it's one of those kind of one of those lines. It's the the ultimate just blue chip line. So monotone. Kick us off. Give give us your first prop, and then uh discuss why you took it
0: yep so this is one of the first ones that stuck out to me and it's antonio gibson over 72.5 rush yards um and before i know we just did talk about the fact that i'm a washington football team fan i am much lower on this team than a majority of other people so i i don't i don't want to hear any bias or anything like that i'm normally team under on my own team but Um, Yeah, but so Gibson really stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. But one of the main ones is over the last three weeks, he's actually led all running backs in attempts like throughout the whole NFL. We're talking guys like Dalvin Cook, those type of names. He beat out everyone, Jonathan Taylor. He had 29 last week, 19 the week before that, and 24 the week before that. And in two of those three weeks, he did hit the 73.5 or 72.5 rushing number. The one week he did miss was against that Tampa Bay defense, which – I think we all know, we're all in this chat, you know, we all are pretty familiar with what that Tampa run defense does to people. But what really sticks out to me is despite what everybody knows that Tampa Bay defense does to people, he ran the ball 24 times in that game. I mean, that's almost unheard of this season, right? We're seeing guys earlier in the year, Zeke ran like six times against them. You know, teams are like, we're just not even going to try it. Washington has been successful recently. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that Antonio Gibson is really involved in this team. He's taking pressure off Heineke. The offensive line is playing a lot better these last couple weeks. And I just think Gibson's in a great bounce back spot right here. Now we get the Raiders who, um, I guess, bounce back from his first half start to the season is more what I meant. Because it's kind of hard for me. I don't know about you, but I don't look too far back in the past especially with that shin injury he was battling. The first half of the season doesn't mean much to me when I'm evaluating this number because off of the bye week, he simply just looks healthy. I don't know how that's possible, medically speaking, because doctors were telling us he would need to sit out six weeks to be fully healthy but he seems to be perfectly fine after a one week buy I'm not quite sure what's going on there but now we get the Raiders defense who are 23rd in attempts to opposing running backs 24th in yards allowed 22nd in yards per carry and additionally 24th in explosive runs allowed which is runs of 10 yards or more we got a lot of great like factors on our side right here I think we have a good matchup we have a guy who's seeing career volume. He's never seen this kind of volume in his life. He ran the ball 10 times in college. Um, and it's clear this team fully trusts him. You know, we've seen Rivera do this kind of thing in the past with McCaffrey specifically. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty into Gibson this week. I'm, I'm very high on
1: him. I really like that. Yeah. I, I, all my followers know I'm not a huge overs guy, but I, you have sold me. I had no idea he was first in the NFL and carries the last three mo- weeks. My goodness. Crazy volume. I actually talked about on uh, the Big Tilt podcast, another one in our in our Roto Underworld podcast feed that dropped late last night. It's a DFS show. And I gave out one little pre-line. There weren't too many underdog lines out last night, and I, I just snuck it in right at the start of the show. I said, hey, I like Antonio Gibson over 22.5 receiving yards. There's no McKissick. And I, I like this rush yards one. M- Gibson, I think he's going to have himself a day. It's clear that their offense has actually been playing better the more they funnel. I mean, big surprise that giving Gibson more and more work as a proportion of this offense compared to your below-average quarterback, who would have thought that this would, this could potentially help the offense, so.
0: Yeah, it's it's very clear. Like, Taylor Heineke had his best game two weeks ago against, like, the Panthers, you know, and that very easily correlates to a 100-yard game from Gibson. So, I think we continue to see it. The Raiders also have a... Sorry, the Raiders have an above-average pass rush. And Heineke has not been too great under pressure this season um, specifically. So I think this team is going to play a little bit faster than they normally do. We're going to hustle up to the line of scrimmage. We're going to continue to get um, Antonio Gibson involved. And also, you mentioned it, no McKissick. McKissick normally does take five to seven carries per game. Patterson will probably grab a couple of those. But I still think Gibson is—he has all the opportunity in the world to get here. Now it's just about... Averaging more than, you know, 3.5 yards per carry, which hopefully he can get done.
1: All right. I like it. My my first prop of the day, it's going to be uh, Zach Wilson bumping my mic. I'm so excited. Zach Wilson, we're dropping under 224 and a half pass yards. Now this one's weird. This line, it opened uh, the first time I saw it on underdog. It was two twelve and a half and a half pass yards. And I was like, oh, ho, 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 I'm taking the under on this two twelve and a half. and a half. Then it dropped uh, about two hours later to 200.5 pass yards, and I thought, "Oh, that is, if I had to choose, I maybe I take the under." But I don't really like that line. Then it shot back up to 224.5 pass yards, and I'm really not sh- entirely sure why so much money was coming in for the over. And it's early in the show. I'm feeling cocky. I'm gonna fade the public, and we're gonna we're still gonna take the line jumped up for who knows what reason. We're still gonna take that under. And that's why I'm making it prop number one. It might have been prop two if uh, the line had stayed at 212, but for some reason, the, some, of the, some of the public thinks uh, Zach Wilson's just uh, just a superstar. So, in six full games this year, Zach Wilson has been over 224 and a half pass yards only twice, which means he's been under it two thirds of the time. He's only been over seven yards per attempt in one game all season against the Titans who are one of the worst pass defenses in the entire NFL. So, knowing that pretty much every other game he's been under 7 yards per attempt, we're going to need decent pass volume for him to hit it. Jalen Hurts, the other quarterback in this matchup, is questionable. I don't know if he plays. Probably going to be a low-scoring, close, and pretty ugly game. Then we turn to the Eagles' defense. And we let's just look at the pass yards they've allowed to quarterbacks. Here's the quarterbacks that have gone over 224.5 Pass yards versus Philly. Those quarterbacks are Dak, Mahomes, Brady, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, and Teddy Bridgewater. Basically, all studs when it comes to accumulating passing yards, except for uh, Bridgewater, though. I think we'd both agree that he's a heck of a lot better than Zach Wilson, and he has a better supporting cast. And then the QBs under 224.5 versus Philly, Matt Ryan, Jimmy G, Darnold, Trevor Simeon, Daniel Jones... I know which of these two groups I would put Zach Wilson in. And then on top of all this, Wilson's knee isn't even fully healthy. They interviewed him. He said, my knee, it still doesn't feel fully healthy. And the Jets did, in fact, protect him when he returned last week versus Houston. He only had 24 pass attempts and only 103 total air yards. So if your average throw depth is only four yards and you're probably passing at low volume, really tough to see him hitting 224 and a half this Sunday. So what the hell are you doing public? Why are we boosting this pass yards lineup? So that's my first one.
0: Do you want to know my theory on that one? I've talked about this a little bit before. I think when people just see 200, they go, that's too low for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. He sucks. He should have at least 200 yards though. I mean, who's he playing this week? The Eagles, oh, the Eagles suck too. I just watched him get beat. Let's take Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing when – Like a guy like Patrick Mahomes is at 300 yards, and you're like, that's too high. I don't want to bet that. And then you look at his game log situationally, and he crushes that number against those kind of defenses. You know, it's just a perception thing. I think from what I've seen, like 200 yards, too low. Let's take the over here. You know, like I think it's kind of as simple as that sometimes.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I actually just got burned by. uh, I threw it up on Twitter. Everyone could see it. I was pissed. Uh, I had the some unders from that. Cowboy Saints game and one of the unders oh, I took was yeah. Taysom. It was he was at like just over 200 pass yards and I was like Taysom Hill doesn't pass the ball. Cowboys pass defense is actually really good. Let's take the mm. under. And then I also took the Jonte Harris under because I was like situational player. No, there. Th- this is not the kind of guy that's gonna go off. Sure enough, the the final real offensive play of the game busted my pick for because Taysom threw that like what was it like 80 yard. It was like a five-yard slant up the middle. He, he hits Deontay Harris, who then runs for like 70 yards after the catch. Broke my my pick for that I was pretty much sure at that point was going to hit. Like, I had the Dak under. I had that uh, the Amari Cooper under, which looked dicey early on when he had his big catch. But I was like, oh, we're killing it. Didn't hit. But I think in general, you're right. Like You have to know the quarterback and that. A lot of the times, even if the line looks low, and people might see 224 even, and they say like, that's not that many pass yards. Well, let me tell you, it is for Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah, yeah if you've watched him play this season, you know that it's a, a Herculean task for someone with his current abilities.
1: All right, hit us with number two. We're, get, we're getting a little more confident now. Let's Let's go to our next line.
0: Yep, so I told you before, I'm experimenting with some of these cooler lines we've got going. Underdog has something that no one else actually has, which is something they call rivals, where you're essentially putting two players against each other, um, and it's almost like a spread, right? Like this player needs to do a certain amount of yards better than the other player. And so I went with that one. I went with Cordero Patterson to have three more receiving yards than Leonard Fournette. If I just say that, and you just like... Like, even beyond any analysis, Cordero Patterson to have three more receiving yards than Leonard Fournette. Like, doesn't that just sound great? Like, before we even dive any deeper, right? Like, Cordero Patterson is someone that's been insane this year. Like, he's someone that we finally, for so long, on Twitter, we go on Twitter, we say, Cordero Patterson, he's so good. He returns these kickoffs. You know, why why is he not doing anything beyond that. Why is he going to the bears and the Patriots and getting like one carry a game? Well, they finally figured it out here. Arthur Smith figured it out and he's been incredible this season. So even beyond that, let's look at the game script for how we think this game is actually going to go. Because for me, that is how I pretty much base every single bet I make is I have an opinion of how the game is going to go. And then all of my bets reflect that. I think the Buccaneers win this game easily vegas agrees with me they're double-digit favorites they beat them earlier in the season very easily and yeah i pretty much think the game script is gonna be a lot of leonard fournette on the ground and a lot of Cordero patterson in the air because when you're trailing against a team like the buccaneers you're gonna need to throw the ball and we've seen the last couple weeks leonard fournette has had a surge in targets I'm not really buying that that's here to stay for the rest of the season. I feel like we're buying high on Fournette here and then buying low on um, Cordero Patterson off of a couple lesser weeks. But how how many times is Cordero Patterson going to run the ball 16 times? It's not going to be very often. He was able to do that last week against the Jaguars, but that's simply because they were ahead all game. They could just run the ball all game. They're not going to be ahead all game. They're not going to be able to run the ball all game. We're now seeing a discounted line right here um, due to the fact that Patterson has had a couple off weeks since coming back from injury. Maybe he's not in the front of our minds anymore. He's not quite the fantasy football sensation that he once was earlier in the season, but he's he's been great this season. I, I simply think this is the market overreacting to two irregular game scripts from both teams these last couple weeks. I don't think Fournette's going to get eight targets again, but even if he does, Cordero Patterson is running legitimate wide receiver routes while Fournette is running kind of the same little either play action dump off or just quick, Brady has pressure on him, dump off. It's not like he's running wide receiver routes like Patterson is. Patterson's one of the most explosive players in the NFL, and I'm very confident that he can have three more receiving yards than Leonard Fournette.
1: I just added that to my queue. I love it. Yeah. I think that's a good point about the kind of the game script behind this that. I mean, yeah, CPAT just came off a game where all he where it felt like all he was doing was running the ball and it's like, yeah, that was Jacksonville. They were up big. Buccaneers have the best run defense. I'm I'm taking that line with you. Love to hear it. All right, my second one. So I don't I'll be honest with everyone. I don't actually know if I'm more confident in this one versus Wilson because like I was really confident in the Wilson line. I just I just get nervous fading the public because it goes against like one of my basic tenets, which is like I'm not smarter than anyone else and that I'm just going to try and play, play the probabilities. But I was like, my goodness. Zach Wilson is, for lack of a better term, he's been fucking horrible this year. Let's be honest. <laughs> this is this is like a historically bad rookie season. What are we doing? All right. My second one. Uh, this is a pretty sexy name for everyone out there who loves football. CJ Uzama. The tight end on the Bengals. I'm taking the over on his two and a half receptions. Mike Thomas and Auden Tate the, the wide receiver four and five of the Bengals, they're both doubtful, probably not going to play. They don't really have any other wide receivers of consequence. It means Uzama is going to be out there for a very healthy snap share like he's been having recently. He's had over two and a half receptions in five of his last six games. They, they're really finding this nice little role for Uzama there. And they're facing the, the Bengals face the Chargers. The Chargers have allowed three or more receptions to a tight end. In all but one game this year. And that's including a few non-elite tight ends. Because you might say like, Oh, of course if the Chargers in their division, they have Kelsey and Waller. Of course those guys are hitting it. Alright, but hear me out. They, they've they allowed uh, three plus catches to Blake Jarwin, David Njoku, Tyler Conklin, Eric Ebron. I'm going to slide CJ Uzama right in. And that if all but one game this year, Chargers have allowed three catches to... To a tight end, probably not really a position they're prioritizing covering very heavily. Seems like teams have known this. And I'm just going to take the guy who's already done it in five of his past six games to begin with in what should be a a pretty uh, decently high-scoring back-and-forth matchup. Doesn't seem like there's going to be any weird game script stuff where anyone gets scripted out. The line is razor close on this one. So I'm looking forward to Yuzama hitting over two and a half receptions.
0: He's almost really carved out a very unique role for this team. It's very not sexy. It's like he gets like three to four catches a game for like 20 to 30 yards. And you kind of hope he scores a touchdown. He does have some yards after catch ability. We saw earlier in the year, he broke off for a couple of touchdowns. I played him in DFS a couple of weeks ago. It didn't go too well. But it's very clear that he's like a mainstay in this offense. A lot of those kind of other names. Guys you named Blake Jarwin could just disappear for a game and have no catches. Uzama's going to be on the field. You know, he's a guy that's out there for a majority of their plays. So the Chargers will beg you to run the ball. They'll beg you to take those tight end dump downs. They want to – they're going to have their hands full, really taking care of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins in the deep secondary. We all know they're a big cover two team. We know they want to beg teams to take the underneath pass, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Right here, so I'm definitely in on Uzama. I've got to give myself some shares. Maybe make a five pick or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. At an end. Uh, yeah. So, for before we get to our final one each, let me just tell you if you if you thought we were taking some sexy players today, where we've got Zach Wilson, we've got a little bit of CJ Uzama. Just you wait because we're about to drop some some pretty uh, potentially gross player names for each of our final favorite ones. And I think that's fine. Like at the end of the day, we're just trying to be correct. It doesn't really matter if it's a, if it's a fun player and not fun player, we're just looking for what we think these arbitrage opportunities are where we go, you know what? It seems like there's a significantly higher than 50, 50 chance that this one's going to hit. So with that monotone, give us your final pick. Give us number three, your, your absolute favorite. Yeah. So
0: before, before just a couple of minutes ago, I talked to you about how I normally have names written down. I, you know, run through the checklist. This was not on the checklist. This <laughs> is definitely not on the checklist, but it's something that is definitely my favorite that I've seen on the board. And it's Josh Reynolds of the lions, just to, for those that aren't familiar to have five more receiving yards than Amon Ross St. Brown this week. Oh, Those are some names. Josh Reynolds, just for those, once again, who don't know, was only signed to the Lions two weeks ago. So while that may concern some people, um, he played 90 and 88 percent of the snaps in both of those games. That's kind of crazy. I was earlier this year, I actually bet on Dan Arnold in his second game um, with the Jaguars after coming off of only 30% snaps, right? I saw like kind of a trend. I was like, the snaps will obviously uptick. This guy showed up to to Detroit and played 80% of the snaps with Tim Boyle in his first week. Obviously, that didn't result in much. He had three targets, no catches and kind of moved on. But last week, we finally saw what he was more capable of. He played, once again, a huge snap share. I believe it was 90% of snaps last week. And he's clearly the deep threat on this team. Last week, he went three for 70 and one on five targets with the long of 39. And Amon Ross St. Brown went four for 27 or four for 23 on four targets. I think the biggest difference here is really the average depth of target between these two guys. Mm-hmm. While Reynolds has only been here two weeks he's obviously already accumulated an average depth of target of 22.5 yards as you kind of saw from that box score of three for 70 and one on five targets I think we're going to see something very similar to that once again where he is clearly the they're pretty much their only option to, to look deep on this team and Amon Ross St. Brown has the exact opposite role this guy is practically running like, DeAndre Swift-level routes at this point this season. I mean, just to look at his last couple box scores, four for 23, four for 18, four for 61, four for 46, five for 26. This guy, I mean, you'd need four Amon Ross-St. Brown catches for every, like, one Josh Reynolds catch in this game. Like... (laughs) The way these two receivers are being used is so completely opposite that it immediately jumped off the page to me. I, I don't know if you, I don't know how much you've looked at the Lions wide receiver core, but I'm curious to hear if, if I'm not on an island right here.
1: I like it. Yeah, I, I've been paying a little bit more attention to Reynolds, and he's the one I've had my eye on all season. Partly because I have a lot of him in best ball because he was going super late and pre when I was doing my my really early drafting. Before Julio went to Tennessee, when Reynolds was on Tennessee, I thought, this is the clear number two receiver in what should be a decent offense. And I think he had probably the quietest 600 receiving yard campaign that I can ever remember. He had over 600 receiving yards last year for the Rams. And I don't think anyone knew that or cared. And it turns out the NFL teams knew that and they didn't care because he hasn't done much this year. But I've always felt like he had... I don't think he's a great receiver. Like, we're not going to argue that this is some stud, but I've always felt like he's capable enough when given the chance and that he is a bigger receiver. He does have kind of this profile of a tall receiver that gets down the field, going to have some long catches, and I like it. Yeah, if if there's going to be some passing yards in this game, like you said, Reynolds getting all the snaps, high depth of target, I, I put my money on this line with you.
0: I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot. Like I said, I really think Josh Reynolds could have one catches. Brown could have four catches and we still win this bet. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's to that level. We're like, I don't know. I, I have absolutely zero confidence in Amon Ross St. Brown clearing like 30 yards. So as long as we can clear 30 yards, we're, we'll be pretty good.
1: I like it. All right. Now, before I give my final prop bet of the day, my most confident I know sometimes people they they hear the line and they just dip out because people out there you're all selfish so one more time before anyone even considers ever leaving this stream this is me Josh Larkey partnered up with monotone football at monotone football with one L at the end monotone football on Twitter we're giving you just totally free information I believe it's gonna help you out. Well, I guess we'll, we'll have to see tomorrow how these lines do, but we're really confident in these and hopefully not, not only do you just enjoy knowing what the lines are, but that you're able to see a little bit of this process and that I think the, the process itself and what we're kind of looking at is so important because anyone can just take an over and under and make some type of case. But I, I think we would both agree that you see a lot of these cases, and someone says, like, oh, this guy hit this in the last two games, so he has to hit this without realizing, oh, yeah, it's because this guy was out. Now he's returning to the lineup. And I think that type of stuff's really important. So, do you have, do you have anything else to say to the, the listeners before I, I hit number three?
0: No, I think you covered it pretty good right there. I think we're given some, you know, great information. I think it's important to, if you want to yourself not have to listen to all these streams in the future, you know, just kind of take notes on what other people are doing. You know, both me and Josh have had a lot of success this year. We're kind of taking you guys through our thought process. So just, you know, try to pick up on what you can. Everyone does things differently. Me and Josh definitely don't do things the same way. Mm -hmm. um, But we found what works for us, and we're just trying to help share with you guys. So... Hopefully you check us both out, support us both. It's much appreciated.
1: All right, let's let's do that final line. So if you if you thought Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown were gross <laughs> players, just you wait. My most confident line, I and you might think, wow, you took the Zach Wilson under. You better not take an over on a jet skill player who catches passes from Zach Wilson, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, The the, the fatal flaw, but it's because this line is just so so incredibly low that it doesn't even matter. And that is Ryan Griffin going over 16.5 receiving yards. He is the Jets' tight end. I've been furiously checking Twitter beat reporters all week to make sure Tyler Croft is not returning from IR this week. If he ends up returning tomorrow, it would be the biggest shock because I assure you, this guy right here has put in multiple hours this week, scanning to make sure Tyler Croft does not return this week because Ryan Griffin is their starting tight end. And with Tyler Croft out the past four games, Griffin has had twenty or more receiving yards in all of them. That's been different quarterbacks like Flacco, even Zach Wilson last week. Remember, Zach Wilson was uh, he was terrible last week. I think he had under one hundred fifty pass yards off the top of my head. Doesn't matter. Griffin still had 20 or 21. Like the, the guy just gets there with his receiving yards because he only needs one or two catches. And then on top of that, if we want to zone out and look at this game, I know the Eagles, when we looked at the the overall pass yards, yeah, they're, they're often shutting down the bad quarterbacks and they're struggling against the good quarterbacks. Doesn't matter with tight end. The Eagles are an absolute sieve versus tight ends. No team is even close. So if we're looking over 16 and a half on Ryan Griffin, which means he needs 17 yards to hit. Uh spoiler alert, literally every single all 12 games the Eagles have played this year, they've allowed at least one tight end in each game 17 or more receiving yards. Week 1, Pitts, 31 receiving yards. Hurst, 28 receiving yards. Week 2, Kittle, 17 receiving yards. Week 3, Dalton Schultz, 80. Week 4, Kelsey, 23. Week 5, Ian Thomas, 40. Week 6, O.J. Howard, 49. Cameron Bray, 26. Week 7, Foster Moreau, 60. Week 8, Hawkinson, 89. Week 9, the Chargers, three tight ends hit it. Jared Cook, 48. Donald Parham, 39. Steven Anderson, 39. Week 10, Albert Okui 77. Noah Fant, 59. Week 11, Adam Troutman, 58. Nick Vinette, 20. And last week, even Evan Engram, who's a total punchline in the industry, because he's not productive. Doesn't matter. Evan Engram, 37. They all hit it. Ryan Griffin's going to hit it. He's going to be out there for the majority of the snaps. And I'm just excited to make some money watching my, my my favorite tight end, Ryan Griffin, do his thing out there.
0: I mean, another great thing we see about this too, of those names you just listed, is teams change a lot over the course of an NFL season. Defenses change, they get better at defending certain positions, and they get worse at other positions this is tr- clearly trending upwards for the eagles right as you continuously read them more and more tight ends were having more and more success um I, like you said this guy's only got to catch the ball two times he's the he's going to be out there on the field zach wilson they like you said earlier they are protecting him and that means dump down city um which is something that he wasn't actually very good at Um, Out of college, even in the NFL so far, but they're kind of making him do it They're kind of scheming the plays where it's like, Zach, you need to get rid of the ball Like we don't want to see four interceptions today. So it's ugly, but you know Money's still green, man. That's a lot of our stuff has been a little ugly today But it all pays the same. It really does
1: Awesome. You'll be able to catch this on uh, the player profiler YouTube channel It's on my Twitter account. It's on Monotone's Twitter account for the stream. I'm about to just chop this up super quickly and throw it into podcast form. So it's going to be in the Roto Underworld podcast feed very shortly. Everyone, thanks for listening. And have a great rest of your Saturday.